What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In this league, College Fantasy Football Podcast with host Scott Bogman, the Gridiron Scholar, John Long, Eric Froten from NBC Sports Search, and Nick Allen, owner of CFB Winning Edge. College Starting No. Welcome back, everybody. It's College Fantasy Football on In This League. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. Follow me on the Twitter, at Bogman Sports. Joined by the Gridiron Scholar, John Lobb, at Gridiron Skull 91. Unfortunately, our boy Eric, is uh, his microphone broke. He's out in San Diego right now. His mic broke yesterday. Uh, didn't have uh, time to go grab a new one or get it fixed. So uh, it is just me and John today, but we'll get you through here. And on the docket today, we're going to talk a little bit of news. We're kind of in the lull, so there's not a ton. We're going to talk about uh, the G5 uh, best ball uh, results with Johnny. And you just had an article, John, come out about some sleepers, right? Absolutely, my friend. It's up on fan tracks now. The 2021 Scholars All-American Sleepers. Uh, so we'll talk about that at the end as well. But let's dive into this news and... You know, it's it's uh, I love uh, Roto World or excuse me, NBC Sports Edge and um, them posting stuff. And, and this one I thought was interesting just because I want your take on it. They posted about how Oklahoma has, uh, according to PFF, has the best offense heading into 2021. And they have a whole article. It's free. You don't have to be a subscriber to go uh, read it uh, of the top 10 offenses. And so I just want to know of these top 10 are any ranked way too high, and are you uh, surprised anyone was left off the list here, John? And I'll just read them off here. Obviously, Oklahoma's one, then Ohio State in here, uh, Clemson, both those teams, new quarterbacks, Alabama, new quarterback, Georgia as well, Coastal was in here, Ole Miss, Miami, North Carolina, and Kent State rounded out the top 10. So uh, is there any offense in here that was surprising that you think maybe doesn't belong, John? I hope I don't sound like a broken record, but how Georgia ends up in the top 10 is mind-blowing to me. I understand that they have an impressive young quarterback. They have a stable of running backs who are rather good. However, they have a coach who every year for the last two, we have heard rumors that they are going to update and throw the football. Scott, every year, 
we see Georgia crawl back into that hole and run the football and play safe. Hey, they've won a lot of games. Nothing wrong with how the University of Georgia, the Bulldogs, play offense. They play to win. Nothing wrong with that. But in fantasy, Scott, we want oodles and bundles of points up on the board. I just do not believe, and I might be proven wrong, that J.D. Daniels is going to drop back 35 to 40 times a game and sling it. If the Bulldogs get up on people, they will go to the ground game. It, I mean, Kirby Smart has never shown me that he's willing to stomp on people and put up a 45 to 50 spot. So I'm not going to believe it till I see it. I'm not going to, yeah, I'm not going to see it till I believe it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm with you, you know, Georgia. And I think what this ranking is, is really just the, the talent they have on this team. Right? Yeah, there's no it's, question. Yeah, so so there's a, a ton of talent physically on the team. You know, like you said, they have some great running backs uh, who we know are going to put up numbers because that's what Georgia does. They love to run the ball. Uh, they have even losing pickings. You know, they have yeah. some experience here in Arian Smith. Darnell Washington is a huge target at tight end. They also brought in Eric Gilbert. Uh, Dominic Blaylock is back. Uh, they still have Karis Jackson. Like, there's a ton of talent on this team. Uh, the offensive line is also just just look at the the two four seven ratings on the starting offensive line here. 94, 99, 90, 88, 91. Like they're all, you know, at least four star prospects and higher. The line is going to be great, but it's just what this offense does. Like you said, I thought it was a little surprising to have Georgia in there too. So um you know. I'm also surprised by Miami because what we're talking about with the Hurricanes is Derek King's health. Right. If it, if we have a hundred percent Derek King, I can see it. But I don't, you know, let that's to be determined. We'll know in training camp. Now, one thing, Scott, I looked immediately at last year's Kent State, small sample, 49.8 points per game. Over 600 yards, but they only played four games yeah. in the MAC. Now, it is also interesting, they did not put UCF on there 42.2 yeah. points per game. Is it because of the coaching change or the or the graduation? I mean, I know they have some turnover, but not to see the Knights up there is a little bit surprising. Yeah, I think that's all about the coaching change because, you know, uh, it, it's just that that was a lot of fear about, uh, you know, Boston College last year with the coaching change and uh, Colorado State with the coaching change like that seems to be the risk that people aren't willing to take. But I mean, a lot of that is, you know, you can't change this offense a ton at UCF because you saw the same quarterback and Dylan Gabriel, you can't come in and try and reinvent the wheel because it was working last year. So you can Im implement your own things and change stuff up that way, but you got to run at least the same, same style uh, of offense that they were having at UCF, unless you want to just get punted immediately. Uh, but, <laughs> so UCF was the big team. Uh, I think Miami, you know, look, Miami is 
great. Like you said, a lot is going to lie on the shoulders of Derek King or more on the knee of Derek King to, to see if he, uh, if he is good to go at the beginning of the year. And is he the same type of guy or is he going to be slowed down because of this injury? But who was the last, you know, who was the last must have running back at Miami or must have wide receiver? It's been a long time, Scott. I know, I, man. I, you know, so I've been playing college fantasy football for 13 years. Duke Johnson was probably the last, like, very interesting Miami running back. And he wasn't in the upper echelon. He was a very good running back. But he wasn't like that Melvin Gordon level or, you know, like in the top yeah. five. And I – you know what? I remember I the last remember. guy I really liked at wide receiver was Lawrence Cager. You know what I mean? And he transferred. So Yeah. Uh, I, I don't remember a Miami wide receiver in the last 13 years who I was excited. I mean, I've drafted players based on potential, but they never, like, became like fantasy assets. Right, yeah. Like, Cinerice Moss, and that was longer than 13 years ago. You know what I mean? So Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure there's guys we're forgetting. I mean, there's no way there isn't. It's Miami. They're super talented, you know. And they still had like uh, they still had uh, tight ends and everything. You yes. we love Will Mallory, you know. Brevin Jordan was a big asset last year too. So tight ends are kind of easy to find. Uh, but um, yeah, wide receivers and, and running backs they just break up the production, you know, which is good for real offense, but for fantasy, uh, <laughs> not not so much. So uh, anybody else that uh, was left off that you're a little surprised at? Um, you know, I think Florida is going to be better than people expect. I know they lose Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts. I get it. But Emory Jones, I've been watching more tape of him over this summer. I'm excited for him. He's good, Scott. He's And he adds a little dynamic that Kyle Trask does not. I understand they're basing it on turnover and losing the quarterback and the all-world tight end, but I still believe Florida is loaded, and I think Emory Jones is a very good replacement for Kyle Trask, and he provides a little bit of a boost with his legs. And then I thought about BYU, but we still don't know the quarterback. They had so many changes, obviously, with Zach Wilson moving on. So I think that's why BYU isn't in the list either. Not going to mention Texas, are you, John? Uh, with Steve Sarkisian coming in and, uh, you know, B. John Robinson and, and some uh, still big-time prospects, no? The question to me is the quarterback. And are, are they going to just run Bijan? Will they hide the quarterback by running the ball, which will cap their offensive numbers? That's my – I think Bijan will be great. Everyone – I mean, that's not a question. But you're limited to your points scored when your running back is putting up and grinding the clock. And I still don't know how good those quarterbacks are. Yes, Casey Thompson looks good, but I never know 100% sure. Right. Yeah. And look, I mean, uh, Casey Thompson is a risk. We talked about it in the last show because yeah. Hudson Card is pushing him. So may not even start the whole year. So uh, it's still a risky pick. But uh, yeah, I think there's a possibility that you see yes. in that group. Um, Frank Solich announced Wednesday that he's retiring uh, in order to focus on his health. Uh, just you never like to see this stuff uh, happen this late in the game, John, but uh, not a lot fantasy wise coming out of Ohio anyway. No, they. I wasn't expecting them to offer a lot of fantasy goodness this year. But I went back, you know, 
Frank Solich was at Nebraska. I think people forget how good Frank Solich was. He was 58 and 19. The problem was he followed the great Tom Osborne. Yeah. So this man put up Scott 12 and 1, 10 and 2, 11 and 2, and he was fired two years later we after going nine, 9 and 3. Like yeah. now you look back and I'm like, oh, those were good years at Nebraska. They just weren't Tom Osborne. And what I really respect, yes, we've enjoyed Frank Solich's offense for fantasy. But, you know, this man stayed at a MAC program to help young men win football games, educate young men, 115 and 82 in the MAC, and he stayed there. I think Frank Solich probably could have gotten a job offer at a bigger school, but he stayed at Ohio and helped put kids through school and had a good program for the Bobcats. Yeah. So unfortunate that he's leaving. And like we said, we don't like it to happen this close to the start of the year, but uh, we'll see what happens at Ohio going over to quarterbacks, uh, North Texas sophomore Austin on was singled out by head coach Seth Luttrell as being the current leader uh, for the team starting quarterback position. So I think we expect him to start Athlon sports analyst, Steve Lassen wrote that Tyler Buckner is one of the top 10 freshman quarterbacks to watch in 2021, which is interesting. And then Clemson uh, freshman QB Bubba Chandler is actually going to go ahead and sign his deal with the pirates, to become a baseball player. So we don't really have to worry about Bubba Chandler. It's just funny that, you know, look, this guy is a top end QB talent. That's what Clemson gets. And he decided to play baseball and uh, Austin on could be pretty big for North Texas, John. Absolutely. I know um, Joe De Silva at the CFF site has been talking about writing about Austin on for a while. I think in my next update, he's going to move up some spots because the chatter is coming out of the North Texas program. So I think he could be very interesting this year. And then Tyler Buckner is going to be fascinating. We've watched Ian Book for the last three years at Notre Dame. They have a lot of turnover on the offensive line. But Brian Kelly and that coaching staff recruits top-level offensive line talent, and they coach them up. And we saw last year with Kyren Williams how well he did behind that veteran upperclassman line. I think Notre Dame can plug and play an offensive line well. I don't think they'll be as good as last year per se. But then you start looking at the pieces around him, Scott. Kyren Williams, Chris Tyree, Michael Meyer. If Buckner gets that job, I think he could be a top five quarterback because we do know that historically Notre Dame finds receivers. Almost every year they have Will Fuller to Chase Claypool. Brock Kelly and that staff developed good too. Who? Miles Boykin. You're right, Miles Boykin. So I would assume they'll find their receiver. The line will be better. Buckner stepping into a decent offensive situation as a freshman. Yeah. I mean, and you know, like you said, you know, you, you look at a guy like this and 
uh, 247-96 rated recruit, top 10 quarterback in the nation. Yeah, not a shock that, uh, you know, a top-end talent ends up at Notre Dame. So uh, if Cone doesn't get it together real quick, that job is going to be open. And like you said, they have a lot of talent uh, around there. So um, should be exciting to see should he get any uh, time. But, I mean, as far as fantasy goes, he's an ad right now or, you know, he could be something at some point. I just wouldn't expect it. Not a lot as far as running backs go, but I thought this was interesting. 247 uh, analyst Robbie Weinstein uh, ranked uh, Wake Forest Redshirt Jr. Christian Beal Smith as the best uh, returning production in the ACC at running back. And the ACC has a decent amount of good running backs, John. So <laughs> are, are you? Uh, what do you think about Christian Beal Smith for this year? Eric said it, I think, two podcasts ago. Remember he was talking about how everyone's just ignoring the starting running back? Well, you discussed a little bit of Kenneth Walker transferring to Michigan State, and Christian Beale Smith is the man standing in the Demon Deacons backfield. And I ended up drafting him in a best ball league off of Eric's recommendation in round, like, 22. His ADP is absolutely, like, buried at the bottom, Scott. Yeah. Right now, there is no reason in best ball leagues or any college fantasy football draft not to take Christian Beal Smith. He's the guy in the backfield of a good offense that should point put points on the board, and that ADP should rise. But, yes, he is a great value right now. I mean, I like him, but I, I just feel like there's a ton of other – uh, like I guess, okay. I, I can, I'm just looking at where I have, and I know a couple guys I can move them over. Uh, Tion Dollard had some off the field stuff. Marshawn Lloyd, probably not your starter, South Carolina. Um, but like I'm looking at hit between him and Dion Hankins, uh, at UTEP, who, who would you rather have? I'll take, I'll take Christian Beal Smith. What about, uh, Zach Evans at TCU? I'll take Zach Evans. And you know, I, so I'll take Zach Evans on that one. Uh, let me see. Um, how about, uh, George Halani at Boise? Ooh, that's a good question. Halani coming off of that injury. Not sure how Boise's quarterback. Um, I, I do have Halani ranked higher in my last update. And that was about two weeks ago. I think, though, I don't have a lot of Alani this year because I'm not I'm not interested in him. Where is is what you have to draft him at? Yeah, so I'd okay. probably go Christian Beal Smith there. That's fair. I I think that one's fair. I just you know like Christian Beal Smith, good running back uh, last year for Wake. Uh, played nine games, uh, seven hundred thirty two yards, five touchdowns, only caught five balls. Uh, but uh, you know. I just I think there's other backs, so I'm not I don't think I'm as excited about Christian Beal Smith as you are, but I I understand he is underrated and getting underdrafted. That's for sure. Still a starter. Uh, a little bit of wide receiver news. Uh, my guy, Texas Tech sophomore wide receiver Eric Azucanma has been catching passes in offseason workouts. He broke his arm in the spring game, so it looks like he's going to be good to go. I uh, this is interesting, John. Two four seven analyst Josh Pate reported that. Texas freshman wide receiver Xavier Worthy is shaping up to be a critical piece of Steve Sarkeesian's offense. So maybe throw a late dart on him. 
uh, Xavier Worthy. CJ Yarborough is no longer with Liberty, uh, and I think he is retiring from college football. Uh, but to replace him, they did just bring in JJ Holloman from Georgia, or I believe he was FIU last year. I think maybe Georgia before then. But Holloman goes over to Liberty, so going to be uh, a top target for Malik Willis. And then Coach Matt Wells said that Kalen Geiger will play one of the uh, outside receiver spots in the Texas Tech offense. So for me, I'd assume that's Ezukama and Geiger. Uh, what do you think about any of this wide receiver news here, John? First, I'm going to lump the two Texas Tech bits into one. Shows Makes me a little bit more secure in Tyler Shook, the quarterback. I have a lot of Eric Uzekama this year. Scott, he, he's, I've been getting him in round like 13, 14 as my fifth or sixth receiver. We know Geiger was very good at Troy, comes on over in this offense. They have weapons. Tyler Shook's a massive upgrade, I believe, at the quarterback position. They're also in that defensively challenged Big 12. We know their competitors are going to put up a lot of points. Texas Tech doesn't have a great defense, right? I think they're going to score points this year. I, I, I think this is great news for the entire offense, and I expect their wide receivers to move up a little bit because they've been underappreciated at this point in, in the CFF drafts that I've partaken in. Xavier Worthy, four-star recruit, class of 2021, comes here. 6-1-160. Yes, it's interesting that a true freshman is getting this much praise. But this is Shark's guy. This is Shark's guy. Doesn't he want his guy to do well, Scott? Yeah. I'm yeah, not I mean, Right? He's, some of his teammates are comparing him to Tyreek Hill. So, Ooh. I mean, uh, I don't – I'm, I'm not going to – I'm just saying that that's happening, yeah. obviously. Uh, that is hyperbolic, uh, but I, I look, someone is going to emerge. You know, yes. I don't think Shark, uh, Sark is going to make a, um, uh, and it, the offense look like it typically has at Texas recently uh, with, you know, just a little bit of, of confusion as far as the wide receivers go with. And it seems to be we have more confusion uh, before the season than during the season. But uh, I was an Eagles guy last year, Joshua Moore was pretty good, you know, I mean, but no one was that must-have guy from Texas. So hopefully Worthy can develop into that guy, and there's way worse dart throws uh, in the last round. So uh, I really I really like that that's coming out. Um, so, you know, just kind of a flyer and uh, might get more buzz. Anything else for you? What do you think about Holloman? We, we all want someone to emerge as uh, Malik Willis's pass catcher, right? We, right. didn't, we didn't really get that last year. I expect, I know there's a lot of buzz in the Debbie community about Malik Willis as an NFL prospect. I still have questions about his passing ability. I think this is a very important year for him to take a step up throwing the football. So what Holloman could be one of those guys on that Liberty offense what if he takes a hold and becomes the number one target for Willis? I think the entire CFF community is going to be watching that wide receiver core for the Flames 
We just don't have one player yet who's clearly going to be the guy. Right. Right. Exactly. So, uh, so we'll have to, uh, we'll, we'll have to see how it shakes out, but let's talk about this G five, uh, draft John. And, uh, I know you got a chance to look at my team a little bit, uh, last week. And as I said, I think I like my G five team a little bit more than I like my P five team, but not by a wide margin. I think I just took quarterbacks here a little bit earlier and I don't know that they're even safer. Uh, but my first round pick was Ronnie Rivers. Uh, my second round pick, I took Jalen Johnson, the UCF number one wideout. Then I did finally go to quarterbacks, John. I took Michael Pratt and Frank Harris as my one and my two uh, from Tulane and UTSA. I'm a big Frank Harris guy this year. I know you wrote him up in your sleeper article, so we'll get to him in a little bit. After that, I followed up by uh, Toa Tau and Dre Clark from Memphis with two more running backs. Then I took Victor Tucker. Uh, I actually kind of waited on wide receivers, which is not my normal strategy in uh, in a CFF uh, draft, but uh, I just felt that the value on these quarterbacks and running backs were too good. Um, I took some flyers. I took Jeff Foreman uh, in the eighth out of Arkansas State, just won a piece of that offense. Uh, Corey Sutton should be back with App State, so I took him kind of as a flyer. I like Keyshawn Carter going over from Texas Tech to Houston. Could be a number one. I took uh, DJ Stubbs, who might end up being the number one at Liberty for Malik Willis. Uh, then I took uh, Justin Rogers, the quarterback from UNLV. Johnny Huntley, another piece of the Liberty offense at tight end. Jalen Wayne from South Alabama. Jason Pertle. Um, and then down from there, I'm just kind of taking shots on some running backs and on some quarterbacks specifically. I mean, I took Kazik Daniels who should start for air force, but who knows what he's going to do. Peter Parrish, who's not projected to start for Memphis because that's grant Gannell. But, uh, if Gannell doesn't work out, it could be Parrish rather quickly. What do you think about my, uh, my build in G five? And then if you have a team you like, John, just let us know who it is. Scott, you did something that I think is incredibly important. You waited on the quarterbacks. And it is challenging in the G5. And you got two of my favorite under the radar, radar dual threat quarterbacks. Michael Pratt of Tulane and Frank Harris of UTSA, the Roadrunners. Those are great quarterbacks, Scott. To wait until that point in the draft is tremendous because anyone who's played in these group of five kind of um, formats, there just is not as many top-end quarterbacks as we see in the power five, correct? Yeah, so, and I think they're even less reliable in the yes, G5. They're more likely to turn over. I completely. Like, it's very hard to, once you get probably outside, what, maybe the top 15 schools, or offenses, it's very hard to find a quarterback. So I like both of these players very much, Michael Pratt and Frank Harris. Love to start with Ronnie Rivers. Big Ronnie Rivers guy. Um, when I was doing my profile on him, he's going for a lot of all-time records for Fresno State. He wants to finish his career as like the top rusher, receiver for a running back, Yards from scrimmage for a running back, total touchdowns for a running back. And if he achieves all those goals, Scott, 
He's going to have a fantastic year. And they're all doable, like 900 yards rushing, 40 passes caught, you know, something like another eight or nine touchdowns. So he, I, I expect him, and I like that Fresno offense anyways. So you're getting the number one guy to me in the top five offense at that group of five. I love that. I'm a big Jalen Robinson guy. Hey, it really depends on what you think of UCF. I still have Jalen Robinson in my top 10. I still expect, remember we did um, the um, rule of reason? Right. Rule of reason states that they've got to throw the ball. Dylan Gabriel will still throw the ball efficiently, and Jalen Robinson will be the number one receiver. I like Rodriguez Clark. Scott, he had a great beginning last year. Then he kind of fell off, right? Memphis is an explosive offense. We've seen Tony Pollard, Darrell Henderson, and then Kenneth Gainwell. If Rodriguez Clark can get a hold of that starting position, that's an amazing running back to have. What did you get him here in round seven? One, yeah, two, it was three, late. Four, five, six. That's great. I like, and here I am, right, American Athletic. Bentavius Thompson is the number one guy. For the Knights right now, both of – Greg McCray is gone as well as another one. They had a three-headed rotation last year. And Bentavious Thompson's the last guy standing as the third running back. I And then you put together the receivers, Corey Sutton. Because Sean Carter, he might be huge coming from Texas Tech to Houston, right? I like DJ Stubbs. You were talking about – he could end up as Malik Willis's number one receiver. And you know what? The tight end position, Scott, is always tough. In- that, that is, yeah. Oh. I mean, I know in the last one you said get quarterbacks and tight ends. And I just, the, the tight ends, are, they're deeper this year, but it got past me in the G5 pretty quick. It, it goes by real. So you know what? You took some shots. I got no problem with that. I would say, look, you got one, two, three tight ends. If you could get six points a week, you're doing, you know, like just don't give yourself a zero. That's all I think you're looking for right now with a little upside maybe once in a while. So I really like how you drafted, especially because you bypassed that quarterback in the first two rounds, but you solidified the position. Now, who did you take as a backup? Let me see here. I'd even look at that. Yeah, my backup. Justin Rogers. Fantastic. Yeah, Justin Rogers was one. I took Peter Parrish. Uh, I took uh, Colby Suits uh, from ULL. Uh, so yeah. there just wasn't a lot. Nope. Uh, and Hazik Daniel. Daniels from Air Force. Uh, so he'll he'll put a Hazik Daniels will have some weeks. I expect yeah. Brad Roberts obviously to be the main focal point of that uh, offense, but Daniels will at least score some touchdowns some weeks. Oh, yeah, and Arizona or Air Force quarterback any week could have that breakout three-touchdown, 100-yard rushing game in that, you know, in that wishbone offense for you. And that's all you need in a best ball. I like that a lot. Hey, I like this draft. I like this draft, Scott. You did very, very well. You know, you, to me, you got to get the quarterbacks. Now, one suggestion for our listeners. If I had drafted Pratt and Frank Harris, which I have, I would have gone and gotten to Tulane and a UTSA wide receiver late 
cheap. Pair him up for the big weeks. I would have like a Deuce Watts. Let I wonder if I can even find Deuce Watts because I know I've actually peered them up. One thing I'm doing in best ball, I'm drafting quarterbacks, wide receiver, and tight end who are undervalued. So like a two-lane offense. I've done it a lot with Penn State, my friend. Yeah. I love the Penn State because it costs you nothing. So you try what running to back are you taking from Penn State? Who's the first running back you take? Well, no, so I'm going Sean Clifford. Oh, I'm you like going, Dotson. I know you're higher on Dotson. I think most people are, right? Yeah, but I like Parker Washington. He's like a 15-round yeah. pick. So I get right. Sean Clifford, I get Parker Washington, and I get their starting tight end, Brenton Strange. So I got three parts of the Penn State offense, and they were all double-digit rounds in a best ball draft. So the same thing, what I might have done, like let's look at um, Frank Harris because we know Zakira uh, Franklin and McCormick would cost you a significant draft pick, right? And, right. They, and they probably went by you. But if you waited, if you got another piece of that offense, so let me just look quickly. Ah, oh, Joshua Cephas, dude. Cephas, yeah. Would have been a perfect, and then maybe you take a shot on, if you don't like the tight end, Sheldon Jones, who's third on their depth chart right now. So you could have gotten cheap pieces of the roadrunners late in the draft that you get, if they score 50 points, you should get upside in a best ball. Yeah, I think I, I might have, if it was a little deeper, I would have like taken a shot on Cephas or Jones. You know what I mean? I just, um, I was trying to take some some wide receivers. Like, you know, Sutton is just going undrafted right now from App State, and if he gets back in there and starts performing again, uh, I he he's could be a huge part of me having success in this league. Were there any other uh, teams that you looked at that you liked? I mentioned Scott Joe DeSilva earlier today, and I look at his team, and I really like – he started out with Desmond Ritter, which I really like, obviously. He was the fourth pick overall, and I like that. You need a starting quarterback at that level of production. I love it. You notice this draft, five quarterbacks went with the first five picks. So yeah. it does kind of show you what the group of five, how people think of the quarterbacks – and then with the seventh pick, you had Grace McCall went off the board. So that's another interest. So you had six of the first seven picks were quarterbacks. But what I liked is Joe was then patient. Because I do think I sometimes lose patience in the group of five. I want those quarterbacks because it's so hard when with injuries and turnover. But Joe went after Greg Bell, San Diego State, George Alani, who we were talking about earlier, and Charles Williams of the Running Rebels, UNLV, that's a nice, real, strong top three for your backfield. But what Joe did to solidify the quarterback position, I like DeWan Mathis. You know, I'm not saying you go get him in a regular redraft, you know, with 130 teams. But in a group of five best ball draft like this, DeJuan Mathis is a nice second quarterback for the Temple Owls. Then he got Kaysan Martin of North Texas and Xavier Arlen. We all know if Navy 
gets that dynamic running quarterback. We have for years loved those Navy running backs, right, Scott? Yeah, now, yeah. It's uh, not been pleasant the last couple years. <clears throat> but I've been reading that Xavier Arline is the quarterback there also. If Navy can turn it around, I think that could be a steal because we know the midshipman's starting quarterback has 20 touchdown upside. So that's yeah. that's right. a Keenan Reynolds, right? That was a yes. big time Navy guy. So yeah. So we have that. I like that. Then his receivers. He ends up with Yo Hines Tyler of Ball State, who I like. Drake Alsup, Western Kentucky. And then he just pounds the receiver position. I like that. He's just looking through a group of five, going through the depth charts. So I think he fulfilled the wide receiver position. And he got my heart. He took Kevin Mensa. Yeah, I <laughs> knew I knew that was going to come into play here for sure. For Jeff. Now, they have like three or four games where Mensa should smash if you look at the UConn schedule. The other games, he might not be so good. It's a bad matchup. But I think as your fourth running back in a group of five setting, you could clearly do a lot worse than that. And the other one I like, Tom Downey started with Jake Hayner, the Fresno State quarterback. Scott, I have him in my top 24. He's coming over from Washington. If you're on the East Coast, you probably weren't watching Mac games in November late at night. Jack Hayner had a really, really nice season last year. But two players that I like, he was patient at running back. To get Chris Smith of Louisiana Lafayette and Frank Gore Jr., two young ascending running backs, I like that a ton, my friend. Now, I think this draft took place before Frank Solich retired, correct? It did, yeah. Because he has the Miami-Ohio quarterback in Brent Gabber. But he also got a tight end, Xavier Gaines, who can give you something at this group of five. I like that. Jacob Crowning, UTEP wide receiver. Jack Sorensen and Reggie Roberson are his top three wide receivers. I do like what he did. He combined Sorensen and Gabbert for the correlation upside. And I like how he did that. What rounds was he here? It looks like round four, five, six, and seven. He got a nice quarterback and a nice receiver. He doesn't have to predict when they're going to go off. All do is, hey, hopefully they make the starting lineup in a best ball format right. four or five times. He also took the um, Buffalo quarterback, Kyle Vantries, which is interesting. He should start. Ladies and gentlemen, in a group of five best ball, if you have a starting quarterback and he stays healthy, he has value. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It, I, when you play. I mean, that's group, why I took Colby Sweets from ULM. At there the you end. go. He might, he might not even end up being the starter there. But uh, if he does play, he might, he might be one of my top scores a couple weeks, you know. And that's huge, Scott, because the. Having played G5 best ball in the past, you could literally end up like if you draft four quarterbacks with a little bad luck, 
you could end up with one quarterback you can't even fill. I would assume this is a two-starting quarterback every week, correct? Yes, you, yes, it is. Yeah, you can't even fulfill the starting quarterback. It, And then you have a guy benched, right? So it can go bad pretty quick. So that, so I like his team too, my friend. Uh, well, I mean, look, Joe is going to be very happy with us because in my P5 write-up for uh, Sports Edge, it, one team that's not yours that you like, I wrote up Joe for the P5. So uh, and you talked about him here for the G5, obviously doing a lot of good work over at the CFF site. Uh, but, John, let's talk about your uh, your article that you put out because you listed some some sleepers. I don't want to give it all away, but there are some guys that we've already talked about. You already mentioned Emory Jones. I know he's in there. Frank Harris is in this article. Uh, you talked about Greg Bell a little bit. He's in here, too. So just uh, tell us about uh, what you found and uh, anyone you want to mention from your article. Sure, I'll give all of our listeners one player from each position that I talk about. Type in, you know, the 2021 All-American CFF Sleepers. You can find my article. We met, we, we had talked about, and what I like about him so much, the UTSA scored 28.2 points per game, 415 yards per game. This was the first season under under coach Jeff Trailer. So the offense really ignited under their new coach. But here's some of the numbers as I researched Frank Harris. He completed 63.6% of his passes, Scott, for a school record. He had 12 touchdowns passing. But what was the gold? 528 yards rushing, nine touchdowns. He produced over 29 fantasy points in five games. Oh, I love it. He also had a high of 40.9 versus UTEP. What is his ADP, Scott? He's around 17 pick, 193 overall. When I'm getting a starting quarterback with that ceiling at that you know, you're looking at a third or fourth quarterback. I don't care if it's best ball, redraft. I am totally in on Frank Harris. I think that is a great pick. I like him a lot this year. Now, at running back, fallen in love with over the last month, Zonovan Knight of North Carolina State. The more I looked at him, Scott, he's around 13 pick, 156 overall. He owns in North Carolina state history. He's the all-time leader in yards per carry, five and a half yards per carry. In the ACC, among returning, returning runners, he is third in 1533, fourth in touchdowns with 16, and third in all-purpose yards. Ladies and gentlemen, he's played for two seasons. He was an immediate starter as a freshman. What makes him so electric? Last year, he returned 14 kicks for 373 yards and a touchdown. Scott, he has NFL size. He's 5'11", 210. Now, that's according to their website. And we know with Rashad Bateman, they fudge this. If he's 
5'11", near 210 in the NFL draft, and he had immediate success as a returner, he's going to get a lot of NFL buzz. I like him a so much as a sleeper, and I've got him as my fourth or fifth running back. He's dropping like crazy. One of the good offenses we haven't talked too much about, Georgia State, the Panthers. I like this offense. We know about Cornelius Quad Brown, but last year he's the quarterback. Last year, the Panthers, Scott, averaged 33 points per game and 273 passing yards. And they return all 11 starters. Yeah. I'm getting a complete offense in a good system that scores 33 points a game. And no one wants Sam Pickney, their wide receiver, who is 6'4", 210, Scott, we know in the in the group of five, when you have a dominant physical player like Pickney, defensive backs can't deal with him. Now he averaged seven over 17 points per game in PPR last year. That's unbelievable. Catches 815 yards and seven scores. And uh that seven scores number could easily go up knowing his size, you know. Yes. And he's in the 12th round, 135 overall. If you want, um, I gave you three sleepers. Go to the fan tracks. And I have another, um, let me think, I have another six sleepers on there for you. And your teammate, Nick Allen, has also provided nine underrated playmakers based on his projection, Scott, and where they are being drafted in ADP. Nick has some great options for readers there, too. And Nick uh, will be back on this show at some point soon. I know he just got moved to Reno, so uh, just moved across the country. So that was his pretty much his full week. But uh, we've had a lot of uh, a lot of listeners on our uh, uh, conference preview shows over for uh, CFP winning edge as well. So check those out if you would. And John, what's uh, what's going on with you? What do you have coming up here? I just want to remind everyone about the King's Classic, which is now coming up August 14th. And I want to all of our listeners, we've been very lucky. I know Bob Lung very well. And I also know Dan Claskins of Fantistics. If you've ever listened to him, he is a great guy. Love his show. And for the King's Classic, we are partnering with Dan Claskins do good fantasy on my Twitter page, and it's Gridiron Skull 91. We are collecting money for veterans. Dan Claskins works very well with veterans who need assistance. It's a fundraiser. Everything we do with King's Classic is for the listeners and the viewers. You can watch it for free, we're broadcasting it for free. All of the um, Joe's partner, Mike Bainbridge, he's in it. Scott's here. Eric, myself. If you could be kind enough just to make any donation, and I say this to everyone, $5 to $10, it doesn't matter the amount. Just go to my Twitter handle and feel free to make a donation to do good football in support of the Kings Classic League. 
All right. Yeah. And look, even the dogs are excited about it. So we're, we're, uh, yeah. we're, <laughs> we're uh, excited to help out. And John, uh, putting together the King's Classic, I know, is a lot of work. So uh, the whole CFF community has to give a big thank you to you for setting that up. It's going to be a lot of fun. Like you said, uh, August 14th, I'm pretty sure that is the day I am moving to Texas. <laughs> so uh, I will obviously not be in attendance at the hall of fame as I will be moving across the country, but uh, I will, uh, I will be represented uh, to draft in that, uh, of course. So uh, we appreciate John and all the stuff you've done. Remember you can check us all out on the Twitter at Bogman Sports for me, at Great Irons Call 91 for John, at CFB Winning Edge for Nick, at CF Froton for Eric, and we will see you guys next week. Take it easy, everybody. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.